0: So this morning we're going to be continuing it in our series which we've called Heaven's Heartbeat. Okay, So so far we've been looking at what God has called us to be as a people. We've looked at how we are called to be a people who love, to be a people who build and to be a people who serve. And so today we're going to be looking at how we are called as a people in Christchurch Hailsham to be a people who celebrate. So in a way of introduction of celebration... I thought I'd let you guys know that I am a massive rugby fan. If those of you who don't know me, I'm a massive rugby fan, and I do have to tread carefully here because there are some Springbok fans in the audience <laughs> and some Wales fans. But I'm a huge rugby fan, and part of that is that I love watching the internationals especially, and I love watching the Six Nations. And if you have ever watched rugby with me, you will know it is an incredibly tense experience of my life. Okay, I am constantly on the edge of my seat. Hannah is always telling me to calm down I am always ignoring her and it's one of these things where I will just build into what is happening on the television it doesn't matter what team is playing with a good play or a big hit or a try I will celebrate and go mad I know the last time that we played in the six nations as England I literally slid across our floor in celebration on one of the times okay it may not be sports for you Okay, rugby is something that gets my heart passionate and gets me celebrating more than a lot of things, but it may not be sports for you. It could be the big British Bake Off. I know we've got a lot of big British Bake Off fans There we go. It could be the Big British Bake Off. It could be watching your children achieve something for the first time. That could be something like walking or it could be a celebration of some other part that they're doing. It could be that you celebrate in just a great music concert or a great music experience. It could be that you just celebrate a fantastic meal, that it was a fantastic food and you just loved it. It could be anything. We know it's birthdays or Christmases and baptisms and we as a race, as a human race, know how to celebrate okay and even this even as I was preparing this week for the sermon as people found out what the topic was everybody was joking and we we're gonna have balloons and party poppers and all of this sort of stuff out okay so when we're talking about being a people who celebrate we know what celebrating is we know what it means to celebrate but what does it mean for us to celebrate as the people of God what does that look like specifically for us here today in Helsham? Well, to start off with, before we get into the word, it's always a great place to start with who God is. Because we are made in God's image and therefore how he is relates directly to how we are and what we do. And God is a God who is eternally celebrated. He has constantly been rejoicing in himself as Father and Son and Holy Spirit from all eternity. And it's out of that rejoicing and that total satisfaction in himself that he created the universe. Creation was made out of a God who celebrates and rejoices in the fact that there is no need in him. That he is completely and fully satisfied in who he is. And creation is made out of that rejoicing and celebrating. And God celebrated and said, it is good. And then God continued that celebration in himself when Jesus came down to earth. You know, the two big moments when God speaks over Jesus in his life are at his baptism and at the transfiguration. And in the baptism of Jesus, Jesus declares over his son, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And at the transfiguration, he declares over his son, this is my beloved son. God has been celebrating in himself from all eternity. And when we come and we're found in Jesus, that is what we are caught up into. We are caught up into the eternal celebration between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which has happened from before the beginning of time and will happen long after time ceases to exist. A celebration of just all that God is and all that he does. And that's what we're caught up into. That when we come to Jesus, he celebrates in us the same way that God celebrates in his Son. The same declaration that God gave over his son, this is my child with whom I'm well pleased, he declares over us. And we are caught up into that. And I don't know if you've ever thought about God being a happy God before, being a God who celebrates and rejoices. I don't know if that's something that you've thought about before. If I'm perfectly honest, it's something that I've always struggled to wrap my head around. I've always struggled to to get a concept of because I've struggled to understand a God who is mighty and holy and king can also be the happiest being in the universe. But that is who God is. That is who he declares himself to be. And so as we come to be a people who celebrate, we need to understand that God is the happiest being in the universe. That God is a happy, joyful, celebrating God. So in order to do that and understand how this applies to us as a people, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to nine. And I'll encourage you, if you have your Bibles, please do open that, please do follow along. As always, when it comes to the Word of God, we want to make sure that what we're declaring and proclaiming to you is what God is saying and not what we're saying, okay? So please do open your Bibles, please do turn it to this with me, and I'll read it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, we are a people who celebrate. And the reason that we are a people that celebrates is that we are born again to a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, one Peter was written by the Apostle Peter. Peter was one of the three main disciples who Jesus walked with and included in things. It was Peter, James, and John. And Peter, it's significant that Peter is talking about this because we are born again to a living hope. And Peter experienced his hope to die. He experienced his hope dying. Because the man that he had confessed as Messiah and as Saviour He physically saw get arrested and condemned. And then his Messiah and Savior died in unimaginable agony. And so when Peter declares that he has a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, this was an actual experience for him. A hope that had died when Jesus died that was then alive again upon Jesus' resurrection. That for Peter, the hope in Jesus was a living hope because he had seen him alive. And that our hope is a living hope as well. Because Jesus is alive. He's defeated sin and death so that when we come to him, we are born again. Our old sinful self is washed away by the blood of Jesus and we become a new creation. And we know that this is true and we know that this is a reality in our lives because our hope is alive. You see, we as Christians we don't hope in a hope that can die. Because our hope is not in money that will rot or fade or just get spent. Our hope is not in attractive look, looks that will disappear and age and fade. Our hope is not in a political ideology ideology, ideology, that will compromise itself and will fail. Our hope is not in people that will get ill, that will die. Our hope is in a living saviour, a living Jesus. Therefore, our hope and our hope alone in all the hopes of the world is certain because our hope alone is alive. I'll say that again. Our hope and our hope alone is certain because our hope alone in the world is alive. Because Jesus is alive, our hope is certain and guaranteed. That is why we are a people who celebrate and rejoice. But Peter would say that we're not just born again to a living hope, but to an inheritance. And that inheritance, when Peter talks about that inheritance, that is the fulfilment of every single promise to the Old Testament believers. Our inheritance is the kingdom of God. Our inheritance is the new creation. When Jesus comes again and restores all things and renews it to the way that it should be, that is our inheritance in Jesus. Our inheritance is our salvation, a salvation that is assured and certain. Our inheritance is blessing and glory and our inheritance is eternal life. That is our inheritance. We're not just born again to a living hope that is certain. We are born again to a living hope and an inheritance that will never fade and never fail and never perish. An inheritance that is certain and guaranteed. Our inheritance is sure. And that is why we are a people who celebrate. That is why we are a people who rejoice. And Peter ends these, these couple of verses by saying that the knowledge that our faith is being guarded by God's power for our future salvation. Do you hear that? We need to hear that this morning. Our faith is being guarded in heaven, not by our power, not by our strength, not by our intellect, not by our works. Our faith is being guarded and kept in heaven by God's power, therefore is certain and guaranteed Let's hear that this morning. Our faith is being kept in heaven by God's power and therefore is certain and guaranteed. Christian, your salvation is sure. Your salvation is certain because it is kept by the power of God from a living hope, from a saviour who is alive and certain. That is why we rejoice as a people and that is why Peter goes on in verse 6 to say, In this you rejoice because what other possible result could there be from a living hope that is alive, from an imperishable, undefiled, unfading, hello, um, inheritance? What other possible response could there be in our lives from knowing that our faith is guarded by God's power in heaven? We rejoice in the completion of our salvation, guaranteed by Jesus in the future. We rejoice in a certain, guaranteed salvation that will be accomplished and fulfilled totally in the future. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Because Jesus is alive. There is no other hope that can declare that over our lives. And there's nothing else that could satisfy. And so we're going to go now to to look at how that very practically and specifically applies to us as people. And what that means for us to be a people that celebrate but before we do, I wanted to talk about suffering. And the reason that I want to talk about suffering is kind of twofold. One is because the passage talks about suffering. And so we're going to go according to what God is saying. And two, because suffering, it, it feels like the elephant in the room when we talk about rejoicing and celebrating, doesn't it? You know, when we're talking about we are completely and totally free to rejoice and celebrate in God because our salvation is assured. There's this awkward thing behind us going yeah but things are hard and things go wrong and people die and stuff hurts and so how do you reconcile these two and we spent our whole lives being being living in that paradox where these things are at odds with each other we spend our whole lives pursuing happiness and we spend our whole lives trying to run away from pain That's what we do. That's what our lives are marked by, is pursuing what we think will make us happy and running away from what we think will hurt us. And so when the two come together, we get confused because they appear to be just completely opposed to one another, completely separate from one another. And yet, Scripture never talks about it in those lights. The Bible never talks about rejoicing and suffering and keeps them po- like poles apart and kind of awkwardly kind of just tries to navigate them. In fact, in the Bible, what you find more often than not is that the two are hand in hand, that the two are walking together parallel alongside one another, that there is suffering and rejoicing in that suffering. And to clarify, when we're talking about rejoicing, we're not talking about happiness, okay? We're not talking about being happy because happiness is an emotion, okay? Happiness is an emotion and it is very, very rocky, okay? And the example that I would just give for this is when a child gets an ice cream, they are very happy. When said ice cream falls on the floor, they are very not happy, okay? But that is a trivial thing to completely change an emotion. So, if we're talking about rejoicing in God, we're not talking about an emotion that is unsure, that is unsteady, and changes in a moment. We're not talking about an emotion. We're talking about rejoicing. And rejoicing is an attitude of our heart, it's a state of our mind, it's a recognizing of our reality. Okay? I'm going to say that again. And rejoicing is an attitude of our hearts, it's a state of mind, it's a recognizing of the reality that we live in with a guaranteed assured salvation. Rejoicing is not easily affected by circumstances. It is something that is a lot more steadfast and assured. So when we're talking about rejoicing through suffering or rejoicing and suffering, we're not talking about happiness. And the easiest example that I can bring is that of Jesus. Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus went to the cross rejoicing. He did not go to the cross happy. Okay? And that is a really important clarification to make. Jesus went to the cross rejoicing. He did not go happy. He was not smiling, okay? That was not a happy moment for him, but he was rejoicing. He was rejoicing when he was arrested in the garden and betrayed by a friend. He was rejoicing when he stood before the Sanhedrin and was mocked and beaten and accused and condemned. He was rejoicing when he stood before Pilate and the crowd was screaming crucify, crucify. He was rejoicing when he was battered and whipped and the flesh was torn off his back. He was rejoicing as he walked up the hill to Golgotha to the place of the school where he was to be crucified. He was rejoicing as they drove the nails through his hands and his feet. He was rejoicing as he died, as his lungs filled with fluid. He was rejoicing. Hebrews 12 tells us so. He says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It was a joyous moment for him to go to the cross. He was rejoicing in who God is. He was rejoicing in who he was with God. He was rejoicing in what God was about to accomplish That Jesus was rejoicing in that moment. And this is precisely the point that Peter makes to his readers. Which Peter makes in verses 6 and 7. We rejoice through our suffering in the knowledge that our salvation is sure. We rejoice through our suffering in the knowledge that our salvation is sure. That Jesus has accomplished it. And we have an imperishable inheritance kept for us in heaven, which we will attain by faith because it's being guarded by God's power. We rejoice through our suffering. They are not completely opposed to one another. Suffering is but for a moment in light of eternity. Because we rejoice in our suffering for the joy that is set before us. And we know this because Peter explains that this joy in verse 8, he says that it is a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Rejoicing in, in our suffering is an inexpressible joy that is filled with glory because of the future glory that we will attain because of our certain and guaranteed salvation in Jesus. So, how then? Has God called us as a people to rejoice, to celebrate together in Helsham? Well, the first thing that God has called us to be is to be a people who rejoice in him. So Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And the mistake that we often make when we look at this passage is that we treat it as a command to us as individuals. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on him. We make it an individual endeavor. But the book to the Philippians and the letter to the Philippians is written to a church. In fact, it is probably written to a group of churches around the city of Philippi. So the command to rejoice in the Lord always is directly linked to community. It's designed, the command is put into an application to be done as a people, as a church. It's not supposed to be an individual command. It's supposed to be a command that is for all of us as God's people. It's a command worked out in community. And the way that we do this, first and foremost, is that we need to put to death our British social awkwardness. And it sounds like a silly point, And I really couldn't be more serious. You know, Sarah even said it earlier when she was talking about her healing that she'd she'd been healed but didn't feel like she could rejoice until the end of the prayer. I love Britain. I love our country. I love living in our country. I reject that part of our culture. As God's people, we're called to reject that part of our culture where we feel awkward for being happy about stuff. We feel awkward for rejoicing and celebrating stuff. And we're like, oh, they're kind of the weird person that's extroverted and loud and happy. Like we need to reject that part of the culture that we live in because God has called us to be a people that rejoice in him together. And if we stay in this reserved, awkward Britishness, we will never get to the place that God is calling us to be as his people. You know, with Cy going to Africa, they have a lot of other cultural issues. That is not one of them. Yeah? Celebrating and rejoicing in Africa is not an issue that they have. They are very, very good at it. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to learn the fact that it is therefore a cultural issue. It is a part of our culture that we need to reject and turn against. But what would rejoicing in God together look like? I think it looks like sharing together. And I think that looks like on our Sundays, it means sharing a word or a picture on who God is and what he's done. It means coming down to the host, hearing from God and coming down to the host and saying, this is what I feel like God is saying. This is a picture that God has given me. And sharing that together so we can rejoice in who God is and what he's speaking specifically to us in that moment and in that morning. It means bringing a scripture focusing on who God is and what he's done and again coming down to the host and saying look at the majesty of God look who he is look how assured our salvation is look what the promises over our life are it's about sharing and rejoicing in God together and potentially the most physical representation of celebration for us as a people is in worship on a Sunday it is in worship together and so let's go for it. Let's be a people that go for it and worship. And that does not mean being crazy and going nuts if that's not what you want to do. It doesn't mean waving flags if that's not what you want to do. But I feel like there's a sense where actually we could step out a bit more into this. You know, you have that awkward thing when there's a song when you feel like you want to be bouncing a little bit, but the t- tips of your, t- you know, your shoes are like nailed to the floor, and so you're kind of you're halfway there, but you never really get there. And actually, we can have that. And I'm not saying that you have to be really extroverted and, and obvious in your worship, because I have friends in this church who worship God with their whole heart and rejoice God with their whole heart, and they sit down in worship because they're contemplating and rejoicing in God. So it's not saying that this is the type that you have to be like in order to rejoice in God. But when we are worshiping together as God's people, then let's go for it. Let's rejoice in all that God is. Let's not be held back by that stuff. If there's things that is keeping us from worshiping our hearts, let's bring it to God. Let's not let that affect the fact that God is who he says he is. He is marvelous and worthy of worship and that we do that together as his people. You know, an example, um, a really good example of this, and I want to give some examples so that people understand what I mean is um, when Anna brought um, a word, it was a while back now, about us having our eyes fixed on eternity, having that eternal perspective about lifting our eyes. That's something we've come back to again and again and again because it was something that helped us to move forward in worship. It helped us to rejoice in God together. It moved our eyes to that point. Sharing together on a Sunday is like that. And it, can, it builds us together as a people who celebrate. You know, in life groups, it looks like a lot of things as well. It looks like sharing together in life groups. It looks like sharing testimony of what God is doing and what he has done for you in the past week. Not being awkward about it. Do you know what? Like God was just incredible. You know, there was a situation that could have gone shockingly bad and it was it was fine. You know, I was really nervous about this thing and God just carried me through it. We need to be sharing this stuff together, rejoicing in God together in our life groups. We need to be share what God has been saying and impressing upon us in our quiet times. If God has astounded you through scripture that week in something that you have been reading, then share it in your life group. Let people know, let's rejoice in God together. If God has answered your prayer, let your life group know rejoice and celebrate in who God is together and then celebrate together in all that God is doing and that's going to look a lot like worship and in a life group setting that can be really awkward to be the person that sits in the room and is like just thank you Jesus that's amazing it feels awkward And this is why the British social awkward point is a really important point because that should not be awkward. That is the right response to erupt in a spontaneous bit of worship in a life group session because people are giving glory to what God is doing is a right response. It's how we should be as a people. One of the most powerful times of worship I've ever been in was at youth retreat last year when we went away. And it wasn't when we were having songs led from the front It was when we were praying for the people involved in the meeting beforehand. And we were laying hands and we were praying. And just as we were praying, one of us just started to sing Amazing Grace. And then as it went on, more and more people picked it up and picked it up and picked it up. And I was just unashamedly crying because it was amazing To just be standing in worship of God without having to be organized or worked about or be brought into it. But just we just spontaneously were just giving glory to who God was for what he had done as his people. Life groups should look like that. It should look like that. And that's not a criticism of anyone. That's not a criticism of life group leaders or the way your life group is. And it's definitely not a way of you know, going into life group and saying, here's all the issues that we've got. We need to fix them this week. It's saying, actually, as a people, let's move towards that place in life group. Be part of us being a people who celebrate. Don't just leave it up to the leaders to try and create a culture of it. Be the culture yourselves of celebrating and rejoicing in who God is together. And I think it looks like doing it individually as well. Rejoicing in God together, sharing individually. When God does something, decide then and there to celebrate it. Decide then and there that you're going to text someone or call someone or you want to include someone into this and just say, hey, God has done this. It's amazing. Or I was just reading this bit in the Bible. This is crazy. I've never seen this before. Or God has just answered my prayer. And it could look like ending up Worshipping together and praying together when we meet up together. Like, I love our community. I love how much we love one another and we spend time with one another. It would be awesome if part of that was just we really, really naturally just spent time just thanking God and worshiping and praising together. Because we were so busy rejoicing in what God was doing that that's just a natural overflow. Just a natural overflow of who we are, of just being led into that time of worship. And an example that I have of this is, is Sam Lacey. I got a phone call from him last year, and he, was, he just rang me up, and so I answered my phone. And I was like, you all right, Sam, how are you doing? And he was like, I just want to celebrate something with you. And he actually used those words. He said, I just want to celebrate something. And he said, I was on, a, I was on the building site. I was, I was doing my thing. I was kind of doing all this sort of stuff, and I, I saw someone going past the window, and I said hi, and we started chatting, and all of this sort of stuff. And, and he ended up praying for a guy. He'd been in an accident. He ended up praying for a guy who'd been in an accident, and the, the guy had got healed, guy got completely healed and poor Sam was in this house on his own like having this just happened and this guy kind of walking out in awe of who God was and he was like I've got to tell someone what's just happened and so he rang me up and that is how we should be as a people that when God answers prayers and when God does something we should be like I've got to celebrate this with someone I've got to tell someone what God is doing I've got to rejoice as part of his people not just on my own we're called to be a people that rejoice in God together and we're also called to be a people who rejoice in one another. So Romans chapter 12 verse 15 says rejoice with those who rejoice. And again, so it doesn't seem like I'm putting suffering in the, in the back corner. It also says and weep with those who weep. Okay. So rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Okay. This is in, this is in a dialogue in Romans that's talking about what a marks of a true Christian is. That a true Christian is someone who rejoices with those who rejoice. And that's celebrating not just in what God is doing, but in who God has created people to be. So that is celebrating and recognizing people's gifts and abilities, that is celebrating and recognizing people's service. That is celebrating and recognising people's successes. That we are to be celebrating and rejoicing in one another in every context and in every situation. And this covers all of our life. It's not just church. It's celebrating in people's promotions and people having success at work. It's celebrating in completed deadlines. It's celebrating in exam results. It's celebrating in in, in module tests. It's celebrating in people losing weight. And it's just rejoicing in community together. It's rejoicing in being part of God's people together. It's a communal thing to rejoice in one another. And Christians should be affectionate towards each other. You know, you know, we've talked already about how God has called us to be a people who love. And actually rejoicing in one another, it feeds into that. That we're called to be a people who love. And part of that is being genuinely happy to see the person. If you love someone, you're happy to see them. You can't love someone and be like, oh, no, not again. You can't. It's, 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 they, they don't go together. That God has called us to be a people that rejoice, and part of rejoicing is being happy to see one another. We should be warm in our speech of one another. We should be warm in, our, in our, the way that we treat one another. And I don't think that we're called to be a people that give one another a holy kiss every time we meet. I do think that has a specific cultural application that we can apply. But I do think, and I'm sorry, Phil Rear, on this point, I do think that church should be a hoggy place. Okay, I do feel like church should be a huggy place. I don't think it has to be. I don't think if you're not a huggy person, you have to hug one another. I don't think that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying we should be affectionate towards one another. If you want to give someone a hug and you actually know that person, give them a hug rejoice in that person, like it's great that we are together, it's great that we are brothers and sisters, it's fantastic that God has brought together a diverse people from different backgrounds and ages who love one another. That's something to be celebrated, right? That's something we should be celebrating in one another, celebrating in what God has done and just loving the fact that we're together. You know, my my dad, when he used to pick me up from, from my youth group when I was a kid, he used to turn up 15 minutes late Because whenever youth group would finish, we'd then spend all of our time hugging one another. So it took me an extra 15 minutes to get out of the building. But the reality was, I just loved being in that group of people. You know, I got saved with a group of young people around my age and and we just journeyed together. And I I just loved being in that space. I loved being in that space. I loved being with that group of people. I loved doing and seeing what God was doing and and just being friends with them. I love it. I loved it. And actually, that's exactly what God is calling us to be. Are people that just love being around one another, that just love being together, that just want to celebrate and, and just be around one another. God's calling us to be a people who rejoice in one another. And I want to make a serious point here. And, and it is a point in a way of warning. Um, and it's potentially a point in, in a way of rebuke. I mean and here hear it in the heart that is given, hear it in the heart that it's gonna be given, which is that God is calling us to be this people, and that our sin can can hinder what he's doing. And that our sin needs to be repented of. And that we can hinder what God is doing as he calls us to be a people who celebrate. And so there's a few things I just wanted to mention as ways which will stop us from people that being a people that rejoice in one another. And one of those ways is rejecting people and belittling their success when they share it. If someone comes up to you and says, I've, you know, this thing has happened and they're excited about it or happy about it, or you know it's a big deal for them, or if they come up and they say, God's done this thing, don't dismiss it. Don't dismiss it. Don't say, oh, it's great. Yeah, great. Move on to another topic. Be in that moment with them celebrate with them, rejoice with them. is what God is commanding you to do. Don't belittle it and say, oh, it's nice. Don't belittle it. Rejoice, be enthusiastic. Know what it is that God is doing in that person's life. And there's a point here that I want to make about banter. Um, if you don't know what banter is, it's basically taking the mick out of people and having a laugh with people, okay? And it's something that's, it's just constant in youth group. In fact, when Aaron was describing youth groups to the kids that were coming up, I think you said banter about three times as the reason why you come to youth group. Okay, so banter is just taking the mick and having a laugh and just poking fun in one another, okay? It's great fun. You know, we, we do it a lot, particularly with Aaron. I do it a lot. And it is brilliant. But it can, you've got, you've got to pick the moment for it because it can seriously reduce an atmosphere of rejoicing and celebrating one another. And so what I'm talking about is a situation where, where someone like, is, is really enthusiastic about something and they're like, God has just done this. And someone just sits there and goes, all right, a bit keen, aren't we? Or, oh, yeah, okay, I'm sure. Yeah, it always happens to you, doesn't it? It completely stops it dead. Completely stops it dead. What they are rejoicing in, what God is doing in their life, it just limits it. It makes them feel bad. You know, I was, I remember there was a time when I was in youth group and, and I was in the middle of worship and I had my eyes closed, I had my hands in the air, I was just really going after it in God. I really needed to be in that place. And one of my friends who wasn't journeying with God, she was in a really bad place um, and she never really came back to God. She came up in the middle of worship. And as I was worshipping, she stuck uh, a spoonful of yogurt in my mouth. So I was coughing and I was sprouting and all this sort of stuff. And her and a couple of other good people were were absolutely, you know, wetting themselves, laughing at the sight. I remember that whole night was just, it was just done for me then. I was embarrassed. I was annoyed. It just completely did it in. And actually, when we, when we stop short, people short, when we don't acknowledge, when we don't ex- celebrate their successes, that's precisely what we're doing. It may not be as dramatic, but that is exactly what we're doing. We're stopping short of what God is doing, and we're stopping celebrating that. And just the final thing that I'd say, just in, just in way of warning, please hear it in the heart that it's saying, is you need to get your jealousy under control in those moments. You need to recognize it, and you need to repent of it. When someone is celebrating something and saying, This is what God is doing, or This has just happened to me, and you feel rising up in yourself that sense of, Never happens to me. You know, how come I don't get that? I deserve that as well. What makes them more worthwhile? All of these things that are sinful. You need to recognize that and you need to repent of that in the moment before it ruins something that God is doing. And the way you do that isn't by going, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. The way you do that, just as in any terms of repentance, is you turn away from that towards Jesus. And you see that in Jesus, God has perfectly provided for you a guaranteed, assured, certain salvation. And that's what you rejoice in. It's not that this thing isn't happening to you that they've talked about. It's not that this thing, you know, has You've been longing for this thing for ages, and it's not happened. And therefore, you, you, all that stuff rises up in yourself. You're not focusing that repenting in the moment. It's just going. Actually, God has provided for me everything I could ever possibly need. My salvation is sure. It is kept in heaven, guarded by God's power. That that is what it means like to repent in that moment. It's not condemning yourself. It's seeing above. That feeling inside of yourself to who God is and what he's doing. Okay. Now that's a somber point. It is a somber point. But it's something that we have to know and recognise. We have to be able to recognise sin and stumbling blocks in our lives as we seek to be the people that God has called us to be together. And actually as a celebrating people, I actually think as a church community, we are great at this. We are great at this. When people are celebrating and and rejoicing in things that is going on in their lives and things that God has done, we are really, really great at recognizing it. And I I genuinely believe this. I think the moments where, where jealousy rises up, where we dismiss people are few and far between. But we need to know and be able to recognize where that sin is in our lives. So the final point that I'm going to make on what God has called us to be as a people is that we are called to be a people that share testimony with one another, okay? So we're called to be a people that rejoice in God by sharing together. We're called to be a people that rejoice in one another and we're called to be a people that share testimony. And what I love about this is it's testimony brings those two points together in a way which nothing else does, okay? So if we're sharing testimony, we are doing those things really, really easily. Because what we do when we share testimony is we say, this is what God has done and it means so much to me. And then that gives that opportunity for you to bring those two things together and go, praise God, he is good and how awesome is that for you. Let me pray for you. Let me pray that God would bless and do more of what he's doing in your life. Testimony just brings those two things together. And testimony builds our faith up. When we're talking about sharing testimony, it's about building us up to be a people that celebrate. And if you imagine it as a, I was going to say it was a fork, but I think it's a fork or a trident. It's got three points. So the point is that there's rejoicing in God, rejoicing in each other, and sharing testimony. That that is how we are going to be lifted up to be a people that celebrate in God together. Never feel awkward about sharing what God has done in your life. Never feel awkward about sharing what God has done in other people's lives. It builds us into what God is calling us up to be. Sharing testimony is building us up to be all that God has called us to be. And just in a way of closing, I just, I just love you to dream with me of what this would look like if we were a people that did this. If if there was someone who, who came into church or, or came into and, and visited one of our life groups or, or was a fly on the wall of, of our conversations, if they came into an atmosphere and an environment where people were just rejoicing in God together, they were just saying, isn't God so good? This is what he's done in my life this week. This is what he's doing in, in this person's life that I know. This is what he's doing in this part of the world because I saw it and I was amazed by it and was just rejoicing together and the response was praise God this is what I know God is doing I'm so glad God is doing that there because I know he's doing it there as well what would that look like and be What would it be like if they came into an atmosphere where people were free to share what they wanted to share, that they were celebrating in this thing, that I've just done this thing that that has made me feel good. And the people were just like, yes, come on. That's so good. I'm so pleased that that's what you're doing. I'm so glad that you're here in this body, in this people. If you weren't here, there would be a lesser body because of it. What would happen if people were drawn into that? If people were drawn into that? It doesn't have to be that enthusiastic, but if people were coming into an environment where that was true already, what would it look like if someone was a fly on the wall in our conversations or, or saw text messages and just saw, hey, 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 God has just done this. It's amazing. And the, the response was, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, oh, that's amazing. Can we meet up? Can we chat about it? Can I pray for you in that moment? Like, what else can God be doing? Like, are you feeling like this is part of a bigger thing? Like, how is this going to feed into Sundays? How is this? What if that was what we were being drawn into? What if that was people were coming into us? So that environment of celebrating and rejoicing with one another? Because that environment is precisely what God is calling us into. That God is calling us to be a people who celebrate him. That people who celebrate one another. And that they do that by sharing with each other. By sharing together. By not feeling awkward about it. And this isn't a message of condemnation and saying we're not there. Get there. This is a message of saying you know what? God is a sovereign God. God moves us. God sanctifies us. God stirs us. God is calling us to be a people who celebrate. And God will take us there. God will take us there. We will get there. Over time, God is going to work in our hearts. He's going to stir us up to celebrate. He's going to stir us up to rejoice more and more in Him, in each other, to share testimony, to build this body up as a people who celebrate. God is going to do that. He's going to work in your heart. But the encouragement of this message is so let's just recognize when God's doing that. Let's be part of what He's doing. Let's be built into what he's doing in this place as he's calling us to be a people who rejoice. And let's, let's move forward in that. For his glory, for our good. I'm just going to pray to close. Father, we do worship you. Lord, we rejoice and celebrate and are in awe of what you've done in salvation. Lord, that our salvation is assured because our hope is alive. Jesus is alive, raised from the dead. That our inheritance is guaranteed. That our faith and our future salvation is guaranteed as those whom you save, you keep. And Lord, I pray that amongst us this morning, would you renew in our hearts an assurance of faith in you. Lord, knowing that we are saved fully and completely, not by our works, but by the blood of Jesus. Lord, help us to know that this morning. Lord, renew in our hearts that faith that we may rejoice fully in you. Lord, would you kill British social awkwardness amongst us? Lord, would you kill it? Lord, would you kill that, 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 that sense of embarrassment and shame every, every time we, we feel like we're getting quite happy or, or we, we, we've said we're rejoicing in something more than once in a one-hour period? Lord, would you kill it in the name of Jesus? Kill it amongst us. Lord, we are a people who are dictated to by who you are and your culture, not by what the culture around us tells us. Lord, would you kill that amongst us? Lord, and help us to recognize it and say it when we see it as well. Lord, help us to be a people who rejoice in you. Lord, who rejoice in you, in all that you are. Lord, you know, he says in your word that if, the, if, the, if, if your people didn't cry out, the rocks themselves would cry out and praise. Lord, may we see your glory and rejoice in all that you are, all that you've done, all that you're doing. Lord, help us to celebrate one another. Lord, to love one another and just include one another in just rejoicing in the fact that we are together. Lord, help us to be built up into a people that do that together. In your name, Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Helsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHelsham.org.